John chapter number 1, if you would please stand with me in honor of the Word of God. John chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 1, very popular passage of Scripture. I hope you're familiar with it. If you're not really, really familiar with John chapter number 1, I highly recommend it. Verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is Jesus Christ, by the way. Verse number two, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. My Bible here teaches that there is only one God, but he is manifest in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate, is the same as the God of Genesis 1-1 who spake this entire creation into existence. Jesus is my Savior, but He's also my Creator. And in verse number 4, it says, "...in Him was life, and the life was the light of men." And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. When Jesus came to this world, the world did not recognize him for who he truly was. Verse number 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Notice the capital L of light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I want to speak to you on the subject of shedding light on light. Let's pray and ask that the Lord would bless this time together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this passage that we just read. Lord, there is more than I can expound upon from this passage here today, but Lord, as we try to shed light, reveal some things about the subject of light here today, we pray that you would lead us and guide us and help us Uh, Everyone listening here today, Lord, open up our hearts and minds and speak to us. Lord, if there be someone that is not saved, I pray that you'd save them. If there be someone who's walking in darkness, that you would lead them to repentance, that they might walk in the light. We pray that you'd bless your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I have several other messages that I preach on the subject of light. I've got a message that I preached a long time ago. It's actually one of my favorite messages that I've ever preached, not because I really like my own messages, but it was a message entitled Neon Christians. And I did a study on how, you know, they bend neon tubing and how that then they they take and they have to do all kinds of processes through electrodes and different things, introduce gases and create a vacuum inside of that tubing in order to make that beautiful light. And of course, neon light 
not only just produces a luminescence, but it also it, it writes a message typically. Neon signs, all they tell you the name of a, a business and so forth. And so as I just enjoyed that study. I used to work for a sign company back in the 80s, and it, it, it wasn't a, a, a type of work that I saw a whole lot of future of making much money in, at least for me at that time. But I remember being interested in neon technology because we would go in and we would repair neon signs. We didn't do the actual um, work on the neon. We would usually take it down and then take it to a shop, and then there would be a journeyman who would fix it, and then we'd take it back to the sign and, and do all that. But it all intrigued me, and I enjoyed it, and I certainly enjoyed the study and all of the parallels the analogy, if you will, of neon lighting and light in the Word of God. The message today is not a message like that. It's really just a, a real straightforward looking at what the Scripture says and finding out what the Bible says about the subject of light. When I say shedding light on light, the, the term shedding means to uncover. We, we talk about a, uh, an animal that sheds its coat. Uh, we, of course, obviously, we know that snakes will shed their skin. If we were to take off, if I was to take off this suit coat, it would be referred to as shedding this suit coat. And when you shed a covering, you are revealing something that maybe isn't completely hidden, but there's more that we can know about it. Shedding light is simply to reveal, and that's what we want to do here this morning, is to shed light on the subject of light. The very first thing recorded that God said, you know, there's, there's something to be said for first times. When the Bible says, and God said, the very first thing recorded, I'm sure that God spoke in an eternity past, but as far as the recording in our human history, it was Genesis 1 and verse number 3, and God said, what did he said? He said, let there be light, and there was light. Of course, verse number 4 of the same passage, that it says that God saw the light, and it was good. The very first thing that God says was good was light itself. God never said anything good about the darkness. Now, this isn't my sermon, but because it's, it's just here, I want to say it, okay? There are some of you that are going to participate in the celebration of darkness tomorrow. Otherwise, used to be called All Hallows Day, Hallows Eve, now we call it Halloween, and I know some of you are like, oh no, here he goes. No, I'm just going to shed some light here, okay? That's all I'm doing. You know, some of you are going to participate in something tomorrow, and I know I've used the same rhetoric, and I know what you're going to say, oh, but it's fun to dress up in a costume, uh, but it's just about some free candy, or I just don't see anything wrong with it. And listen, if you listen to our Salt and Light broadcast this past Thursday, we talked about this. And I, I don't believe that I don't believe that any of you that participate in Halloween, I wouldn't accuse you of being a devil worshiper. I don't believe that you are celebrating the Celtic um, 
witchcraft and occult type thing, I understand that it has morphed into something very different today. But I think that we all recognize that the symbolism of Halloween is associated with darkness, with witchcraft, with all kinds of evil things. And once again, this isn't an anti-Halloween message, but some of you are going to participate in that, and you're going to say, I don't see anything wrong with that. I look at the hypocrisy of today's woke culture, especially even among Christians. And you know what? They're changing names of sports teams. They changed the names, you know, the teams that used to be the Indians. They changed their name to something different. And, and how that even, there are so many things, you, I mean, it, it's racist now to fly a Confederate flag. Uh, they're taking down all of these monuments that had to do with the Civil War and the South. And listen, I, I think that the treatment of the African American by Americans is horrible and was horrible. I agree with that 100%. And, and I would imagine that maybe if I were in their shoes, that there were a lot of things that, hey, as, as what I grew up in and my perception seemed harmless, but maybe if I was in their shoes and I had their background and had went through what they had went through, I might look at some of those monuments and symbolisms a little bit differently. And I think that's only charitable and courteous to recognize that. Amen? But, I mean, this woke culture, it's its all we've got to do away with anything that was historical that might be offensive to anyone. I mean, when I was a kid, I played cowboys and Indians. Nowadays, kids have to play ranch hands and indigenous peoples. And kids can't even pronounce that. So what's wrong with America? <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it's like if the Indians are offended and we got to change the name of them to, what is it, the Guardians? Brother Ralph is a Guardians fan now. He's still an Indian fan. <laughs> okay. I, I just I didn't even know about it. I don't watch a whole lot of news, but I just saw that the other day. Did it happen real recently? Okay, it's like what? Who are the Guardians? It's like I've never heard of the Guardians, and the Redskins are the Commanders, right? And uh, I don't know who's next. Well, what? Why aren't the Cowboys offended? You know, some of these like it's like you're calling me a boy. I'm a man. And, and then what about, what about the, the, the female people who work with cows? So really, I think we should change the name of the cowboys. I don't know what we change them to. The, I don't know, the devils? My wife laughs at that because my favorite team on any given Sunday is whoever's playing the Dallas Cowboys. Used to be. You know, anymore as I've gotten older... You want to hear the absolute God's honest truth? I do not care. <laughs> so many things I used to care about as a kid. It's like, you know what, this is just nonsense. And most of it, I mean, what sports has become is just a bunch of nonsense. But you know, this woke culture, and I'm still on my introduction. Let me get back to Halloween, okay? Some of you are like, oh, I was hoping he wouldn't do that. 
This woke culture, anything that offends someone that has been hurt in the past, we just want to scrub it up and we don't want to have anything to do with it. Why is it that the same people who are all sensitive toward other people's feelings, that we don't consider being sensitive to the feelings of our Savior, Jesus Christ? You know, those same devils and spirits and that occult and all of that, death and darkness, that's all, that's who crucified Jesus Christ. Every, every hammer of that nail was incited by the same devils that are the origins of Halloween. And I realize, you know what, when, when you go, when, when a symbolism of something that was hurtful to someone in the past, you may go and you may see that symbol, you may be a tourist at that particular uh, historical site, that doesn't mean that you are a proponent of being a slave owner, right? But all of that, I mean, we've got hypersensitivity toward everyone and everything except for Jesus Christ. I wonder if you were a Jewish person, how much fun and games it would be if someone dressed up like Adolf Hitler and showed up at your doorstep. And we could go on and on and on. I wonder, I wonder, and, and I know that it's, it's for the most part, humanly speaking, it's harmless. But I wonder about the feelings of my Savior, Jesus Christ. When I say, you know what, I don't really care about what it means to you, Jesus. It's just fun for us, and it's what everybody's doing. And God forbid, I wouldn't want to do anything that's different than what everybody else is doing, because they might think that I'm weird. Maybe it's an opportunity. And you say, well, I don't want to deprive my kids of this fun. Maybe it's an opportunity to train your children that Jesus comes first in anything and everything that we do and that we should be sensitive of his feelings and uh, not just of our own personal fun. So there's my introduction for free. Let's move on to the message, okay? Number one, I want to talk to you about light. And not physical light, but I want to talk to you about spiritual light. Physical light can be beautiful. We had a sunset just, uh, was it a couple evenings ago? A sunset in our, you know, our backyard. If you if you look out toward our backyard, the sun sets right in the distance this time of year, and there are several maple trees in our neighborhood, and I mean they turn with that sunset behind them. It is like the reds and the orange of those leaves. It is literally like they are glowing and on fire. And we saw that just a couple of nights ago. And it was like, wow, that is just incredibly beautiful. Light can be wonderful, but that's a physical beauty of light. But there's also a spiritual light. And I believe that probably the biggest problem that we have in America today is that we have turned, we've turned the lights out on our nation it started out just by, we have a dimmer switch in our living room to where you can just, you can dim the lights and uh, you can do it just incrementally and so forth. I was in a church one time and they were talking about how that they have an automatic system so that at the end of the church service, the, the dimmer of the lights, it just automatically incrementally dims them. And what they're doing is they do that to try to just get people out of the auditorium. 
You know, it's just, it's like, it's subtle, it's psychological. And I, and I heard that and I go, I wouldn't want to do that. I am thrilled as a pastor when people hang out for three hours after church. Brother Chuck, who's in charge of our security and lockup, he's like, I can't believe you said that, pastor. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's true. It's like, why come to church just to get out of here? Why not spend some time and fellowshipping and and, and spending some time, it's, it's valuable time. I wouldn't want to do anything to encourage you to get out of here. And, you know, light is attractive. And when things start getting dark, then whether you realize it or not, it gets uncomfortable. Well, light in the Word of God, we're shedding light on what light is. Psalm 119, verse number 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Spiritual light comes right here from the Bible. And in America today, what has happened is the devil has just subtly taken that little dimmer switch and he's just slowly over 200 years and even more so here in the last 50 years. I mean, uh, when we got to about 50 years ago, I think he started turning that dial really, really quickly. It's just like, whew. There was a song I remember. I don't know who who wrote it or sang it, but uh, it was called Getting Used to the Dark. I'm sure that many of you remember that song. We're not trying to change any hearts. We're just getting used to the dark. And it's a very convicting song. And I think that that is true, not only of America, but sadly of too many Christians today. And why are we walking around in darkness? Because we are not exposing our souls and our hearts to the light of the Word of God. Psalm 119 And verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. we got plenty of knowledge today, but not a lot of wisdom. Not a lot of the kind of knowledge that can get us to heaven. Or the kind of knowledge that can make us successful in the life after. When we stand before Jesus Christ and give an account uh, to Him for how we've lived our life. Isaiah 5, verse number 20, I think that you can relate to this verse. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before. I think it was last week that I talked about how that people are hearing what they want to hear. And we've got wicked, perverse violent people out there that will quote just enough scripture to make God's people to back us into the corner to make us feel like that well they think that we're being judgmental and hateful when we're not we're just simply standing for what the word of God says brothers and sisters don't let the world or the devil back you into a corner you stand for the word of God this is the light And when we reject the light based on what the culture is telling us, let me remind you that this whole world lies in darkness, and guess who the God of this world is? Little g, the God of this world is the devil. And when we walk according to the prince and the power of the air, when we're doing what everybody else is doing, without the light of the Word of God, then we are putting evil for good and good for evil. And that's exactly what's happening. It's just totally reversed. Listen, when a politician 
or a wicked, unsaved person knows more about the Scripture than you do, shame on you. Shame on you. Listen, they, they, just, they just repeat what they've heard, but sadly, that's what the average believer does as well. Read your Bible, folks. Learn it for yourself. Be able to quote it. Be able to memorize it. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. That's the light, the spiritual light that we need. Isaiah 8, verse number 20, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Listen, I uh, I forget, I, I, I can't really describe it. Brother Holbrook sent me a little picture that I thought was pretty pretty neat. It was talking about dressing up for Halloween as a uh, basically a modern preacher, right? I get that right? And, uh, you know, the costume for the modern preacher is, you know, you have to have a t-shirt that's three sizes too small. And uh, you, you have to be, be able to go around and preach topical messages with no Bible whatsoever. And all these things. And, you know, the, what he sent me was a it, it really looked to me like a picture of this real popular guy who pastors in Charlotte, whose ministry is very elevated. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse number 13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. The Word of God here, folks, is our spiritual light that's going to keep that darkness out. We need it daily because the darkness wants to encroach. It just wants to come in. Listen, when God said, let there be light, He didn't create and say, let there be darkness. The darkness was already there. And the absence of light means darkness. And if we neglect the light of the Word of God, then we're going to be acting like that simple We're not going to have that prudence and that knowledge that comes from the light of God's Word. Secondly, this morning, I want to talk to you about a shining light. And really, my second point is probably the one that I'll spend the most time on here this morning. Look at verse number 6 with me of our passage. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. A man sent from God whose name was John. Do you know what we need today, folks? We need a man sent from God. We need someone. John 5, verse number 35, Jesus said of John the Baptist, he said he was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. You know, John the Baptist showed up right before Jesus showed up for the very first time on planet Earth, humanly speaking. And then uh, we find, I, I believe, from the Word of God that we are nearing the day when Jesus is coming back the second time. Wouldn't you agree? You believe he's coming back soon? All right. Are you excited about it? Are you looking for him? I think it's going to be a great thing. Amen. You know, I I I know. I think it might have been Brother Rogers, some preacher recently, was talking about. You know, it's it's so carnal to 
to want the Lord to come back just to get us out of our troubles and trials. I don't see that as carnal. <laughs> I, you know, I just think that's a great thing. It's like, hey, I'm looking forward to being with Jesus. I'm looking forward to getting out of this mess that we're in. I mean, I don't know what tomorrow holds here in our nation, but boy, everything that you look at, the direction that we're going, it just don't look good, does it? It looks very scary what tomorrow holds. And I'm, I just wish that the trumpet would sound and the Lord would come back and get us out of this mess. And then, you know, seven years later, come back and, and fix everything. Amen? For a thousand years. That's going to be wonderful. I mean, we... We won't have any more voting. You better vote while you can because, you you know, there, it, this could be the last time you get to vote. You ever thought about that? We say, I don't get to vote anymore? Why? Who would you vote for besides Jesus? Who's going to run against Jesus that's going to be a better candidate? Huh? Jesus, the Son of God, the Creator, the one who knows all about human nature and government and politics. And I mean, He's going to rule with a rod of iron and everything that He does is going to be perfect and just and righteous and holy and fair, consistent. Wow, that's going to be wonderful. A thousand years of that. Then we go off into eternity and boy, eye hath not seen nor ear heard. It's going to get even gooder and gooder. Amen? So that's a great thing to, to think that. But before Jesus came the first time, and that was wonderful, John the Baptist came as a burning and a shining light. Turn to Luke chapter number 3 with me. Luke chapter number 3. And, um, you know, this is, a, this is a great passage of Scripture that tells us a lot about John the, ba- <coughs> excuse me, John the Baptist's ministry. Beginning in verse number 2, it says, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Listen, folks, Jesus wants to be in your heart and in your life. The incarnation, Jesus coming the first time, it was going to happen regardless of the effect that it had on the people. But John was prepared, was preaching a message that was to prepare the nation of Israel so that when the incarnation, when Jesus showed up, it would have a good effect in their lives. It would change their lives. How many people lived during the time when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and lived 33 and a half years in Israel? How many people were alive in Israel during those 33 and a half years and were totally unaffected by the presence of Jesus Christ. That's a sad thing. The majority of the people were unaffected by the presence of Jesus Christ. But the people that were affected, they were affected greatly and in a good and a positive way. Those who were sick and hurt 
and had physical infirmities, they were healed. Those who were afflicted by spiritual possession and oppression and all kinds of lunacy and all kinds of psychological and emotional problems, when Jesus showed up, He healed them and He cast out those devils. People that were hungry got fed. You think about all of the good Jesus touched so many lives. And then there were some that Jesus didn't touch their life. They just reached out and touched the hem of His garment. And they were made whole by their faith. Jesus didn't even have to acknowledge them until afterward. What a wonderful thing. Jesus made a huge difference. But John came before Jesus Christ to prepare the way for the Lord. Listen, Jesus is coming back regardless of how it affects you. The same elements that John preached then, those same truths are vital today. We need to, we need to get back. Listen, we talk about the need of revival. Wait a minute. We don't talk about that anymore, do we? I, I, I guess that's, we, we talk about talking about it. But we don't really seem to care that much about God doing a work in our midst and in our heart. The apathy. I mean, I'm not saying that, that, that God's people, that you don't care about God or you don't care about what God's doing. I'm not saying that. But you know what? We don't care like we should. Amen? We don't care like we ought to. Lost souls all around us. Our kids who need a godly example and environment. You know, being faithful to church and faithful to the work of God and all of these things. Most the average Christian is a big fan. Hey, I'm all for it. But the Lord doesn't need any fans. He's looking for participants. He's looking for soldiers. He's looking for people that say, hey, will you follow me? And be a fisher of men. Will you follow me that you might have life? And so forth. Verse number 5, John said, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. Listen, that's what John was preaching. John was saying to the people that would listen to him, you got some things that are missing from your life, that you need. Those valleys need to be filled. And he said, you've got some things in your life that you need to get rid of. That's those mountains that need to be brought low. you got some crooked ways that need to be made straight. And you got some rough edges that need to be made smooth. That's what John was preaching. That's how we prepare for the Lord to give us revival. That's how God's going to come in and do a work. We've got to Make him comfortable. I talked just a couple weeks ago about the hospitality of the Holy Spirit. Does Jesus feel comfortable in our hearts and lives and homes and in our church? It's so vital. Verse number 7, he said, Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, (laughs) O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the the wrath to come? John wasn't trying to create a following. He wasn't trying to sell books or build some great church and ministry. John wasn't interested in that. The ones that came out there and he knew that they were just interested in the show 
what did he call them? He called them a bunch of vipers. That's a snake, by the way. I don't know, have you ever been called a snake before? I don't know that I ever have, but I don't, I don't think I would like it, would you? I want to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe someone's called you a snake before. It's not a compliment. And that's what John the Baptist, can you imagine, you know, <laughs> you come to church. Can you imagine if, if I was up here, and I mean, I don't mean just using it, you know, talking about John saying it, but let's say you came to church this morning, and after we took up the offering, <laughs> I got up here and just said, you bunch of snakes. I mean, Literally, and, and you know, it's like, wow, the preacher, he meant that. He called me a snake. Uh, can you imagine in this day and age, you know, what, you know what most of you would do? You'd go find another church. Well, I can't believe that he would do that. John did. Jesus did. Now, I will give him this. He knew when they had it coming. Every preacher doesn't always know when you got it coming, amen? But it's not evil to say that it was helpful. John's trying to prepare them for Jesus showing up. And you know what? When we are deceived in our self-righteousness and we think that we're, oh, we're, we're, we're way better than what we really are, where the devil will just lull you into sleep, he'll turn that, that light down just slow enough, you know, if, if, you, if you dim a light slow enough, your eyes will adjust and you can see things. But boy, when it's sudden, it's just like, whoa, I can't see a thing. You ever notice that? You get up in the middle of the night and it's like, I can't see anything. But after a little while, it's like you can, you can move around the house without stubbing your toe. Don't you hate stubbing your toe? Horrible. And you don't get any sympathy. Just, it's just the way that life is. But you know, John said, you're a bunch of vipers, and who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They were interested in the entertainment, the social. Hey, this is a big movement here. This crazy man's out in the wilderness, and boy, he's preaching up a storm, and the people are loving it. Let's get on board with this. Let's get on this bandwagon. And John says, I'm not trying to produce a bandwagon. I'm trying to prepare your heart so that when Jesus shows up, you'll recognize him and you'll do something about it. Verse number 8, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Listen, he's not interested in, he wasn't interested in their religious affiliations. In verse number 9, he says, Now the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. He's telling them that, man, you better get right or else. You're going to be cast into a fire. That's pretty serious. That's pretty uh, hellfire and damnation preaching. That's that condemnation. And you know what, folks? We're not going to truly get right with the Lord until... We allow the light of the Word of God. And that's what John was doing. He was a burning and a shining light. He wasn't being Mr. Positive, Mr. Feel Good. 
He wasn't Mr. Self-Esteem. He was simply preaching the truth and righteousness, and he was doing it in boldness the way that it's supposed to be done. In verse number 11, he says, uh, He saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. He's saying, stop living selfishly. That's what, you know, the American dream has become the American nightmare. I'm, I'm thankful that we live in a nation where what you want to achieve, you can achieve a lot of things. You can work hard. And you can have a nice house and you can have nice vehicles and you can have nice clothing and provision for your children. I'm glad we live in a nation where we have that as an opportunity because most of the world, that's not even available to them. But I'll tell you the backlash from that. You see it all in our culture. It's turned people, even Christians, into living selfish lives. Well, this is just all about me and mine. And John the Baptist says, if you want Jesus, if you want to have a close personal relationship with Him, you're going to have to stop living so selfishly. Verse number 13, and He said unto them, exact no more than that which is appointed to you. That's the publicans, the tax collectors. They were, they were taking things dishonestly, ripping people off. You know, nowadays it's almost a game, and salesmen, they, they work this way. They don't care about what the fair price is. You know what a fair price is to today's salesman? Whatever they can get you to pay for it. You know, that's on you. You know, you're a fool. Why? Because you trusted someone who told you they were honest? Well, let me just be honest with you. (laughs) We say that, don't we? It's like, oh, if he's going to be honest, now I better listen, right? You know how, you know, I'm going to move on here. Verse 14. All right, these soldiers here, that would be the modern equivalent of uh, the policeman. He said, the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, and what shall we do? And he said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. He says, stop abusing your power and authority. Stop corruption. Now listen, we have no doubt... People in authority, people who wear the blue in America today who are corrupt and violent. But that's not the majority, folks. You want to know corruption, go to another country, cross any one of our borders and find out how it is. Especially our southern border. I mean, you talk about you better take a bribe if you're going to get in trouble down there or you're going to be in jail for a long time. Why? Because the policemen, those in authority, are corrupt and they're going to try to get selfish gain. You know, that mentality, the further that we get away from God and the further that we get away from the light of the Word of God in our culture, the more prevalent that that's going to... It's already become that. John 1, verse number 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. And saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I wanted to make sure that I brought this text to light because, listen, John's message was a message of repentance. But repentance alone cannot bring atonement for your sins. Only Jesus, the Lamb of God, can. 
Now listen, repentance is a prerequisite. Listen, you're not going to say, Jesus, I want you as my Savior, while you're perfectly fine and content with living your sinful lifestyle. But let me say this to you, repentance is not works, nor is it self-will. There's some people that are anti-repentance. I've had people look at our gospel tracts that we hand out and say, oh, you're teaching works because your gospel tract says repentance. Are you kidding me? Repentance isn't works. Listen, repentance doesn't mean... John the Baptist is not saying that you need to... He's not necessarily saying that you need to clean yourself up for God. He's simply saying you've got to prepare for Jesus. Repentance means I'm turning my heart away from those sins. I'm I'm changing my mind and my heart. It means that I'm discontent with what I am and what I'm doing and I'm desiring to be different. Jesus Christ, when He saves you, He changes you. Why would you want Him to save you if you know that He's going to change you? I... I still tell people, you know, if you'll trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, He'll change your life. For most people, they're like, hmm, I don't know. I don't want my life changed. I'm pretty happy with it. Well, you know what? If that's you here today, you are not a candidate for salvation. Jesus Christ can do nothing for you if you are content in your sin. And that's what John the Baptist is saying. You need to, we need to repent. It's desperately needed today. And then my last point, number three, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the light. Go back to John chapter number one. John chapter number one. This is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. John one and verse number eight, he was not that light, that's John, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light. This is Jesus, by the way, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Listen, folks, we've got the Lord Jesus Christ here who is the light of the world. Look at verse number 11 with me once again. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus came to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people as a whole, there were some, thank God, the apostles, the disciples, they followed Jesus Christ and they believed. Thank God, men like Nicodemus and men like Zacchaeus and many others that they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they believed him to be the son of God. Thank God there was a thief on the cross, two of them, one on each side and both of them railed on Jesus. But sometime during that crucifixion, as Jesus was hanging there, the Spirit of God was working, I believe, on both of these men. How could He not? How could the Spirit of God not be speaking to both of these men? But one of them said, I'm happy with my darkness. But the other one, he started responding to the light, and he said, Lord, remember me when Thou comest into Thy kingdom. You know what he did? He put his faith in Christ. He believed that Jesus was going to resurrect. 
He knew that when Jesus breathed his last breath and said, it is finished, that that wasn't the end of the Son of God. So he believed and his life was changed. It was affected because he saw the light. John 8, verse number 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John twelve forty six. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. One more passage here, actually two more to turn to. Go to Acts chapter number 26. The Apostle Paul is witnessing to King Agrippa and telling him his testimony and what God, what Jesus had done for him. And he said here to Agrippa in verse number 14, and when we were all fallen to the earth, he said, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Those pricks here, speaking of, it was an instrument when, uh, when a farmer, so to speak, would be plowing with a yoke of oxen and the oxen would be misbehaving. It was like a sharp piece of metal on the end of a stick and the, the, the plowman would reach forward and he'd poke the back of the leg of that oxen in order to get that oxen to do what he wanted it to do. And that's what that prick is uh, talking about. And that's exactly what God had been doing in the heart of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's pulling one direction, but the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to him and pricking his heart and trying to get him to see that he's been wrong. And thank God, man, I remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit back in the 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 early and mid-80s when I wasn't right with the Lord. And Thank God the Holy Spirit would be pricking me in the heart. And like the Apostle Paul, I resisted him for many years, several years. But thank God I finally yielded to him. The Holy Spirit saying to Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 15, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, watch this, verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's the message that I have for you here this morning. It's the same message that Paul preached. God wants to turn you from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto his own power. He wants to give you forgiveness of your sins. If you'll just respond to the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, stop trying to figure it all out and just listen to the light. It's not that complicated. God will give you light for your way. If you'll just believe him and trust him and repent of your sins, he'll take care of the rest. All you have to do is just trust him and follow him. 
In conclusion, I'd like to have you take a look at 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And the Bible says here in verse number 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That's the gospel message. He wants to save you and he wants to give you light so that you don't have to walk in darkness. John chapter 3 and verse number 19, Jesus himself said this. He said, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And then 1 John 1, 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If you're not saved here this morning, God wants to save you and give you light for darkness. Jesus isn't going to join you in your darkness, but he's calling you to join him in the light. If you're not saved, please get saved before you leave this place today. You may not ever get another chance. Trust him as your savior. Repent of your sins. We have light. That's the word of God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a shining light. That's the testimony of a man that God sends. Whether it be John the Baptist, whether it be Brother Lonnie Wilson or Brother Mac Pennell, Brother Randy Mitchell, Brother Max Robinson, Brother James Childress, Brother Terry TV. It doesn't matter who the man is. The man who's shining the light is not pointing toward the man, but pointing toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And then... We have Him, Jesus Christ, that's the light. Will you receive Him as your Savior today? If you are saved and you're not walking in the light, but rather walking in darkness, do the same thing that John the Baptist said, repent. Get it right. Get all of those rough places made smooth, all those crooked ways made straight. Get all of that stuff that's in your life that needs to be brought low and get rid of it. And everything, all those valleys where you've got things missing that you know need to be back in your life, get it right with the Lord and prepare the way to walk in the light. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the light of Jesus Christ and the gospel. Thank you for the testimony of men like John the Baptist and so many other men that we could name here today that have shed the light of the Word of God in our lives. I pray, Father, that we would all respond to that light today. In Jesus' name, amen.